you obviously had very positive influences and that was a great thing to start a childhood with. Yeah. You loved and admired. That's what I hear. Am yes. I off or right? No, oh, you're right. right. I was very loved and admired. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, so to have that going around back and forth between adults and children mm-hmm. sets a child on a positive path. So to have that, to have that environment or environments and then be able to have your own realizations at a very young age, well, these are like getting lucky charms in the of best course. life nuggets possible. And so, you know, it and not realizing it at a young age until later when you mature, then you think to yourself like times like this, oh yeah, I did do that. And, and this did help mow me, you know, that kind of thing. So. Yeah. And it's a formulation of like seeds being planted. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you're absolutely correct because it's what I call like a living onion. It's layers and layers of experiences and life moments and mm-hmm. a collection of art before your very eyes mm-hmm. that if you take the time to reflect, you get to see how that masterpiece is created. Welcome to Camp VPN Censored Podcast Season 3, Episode 15, with my guest, Sujata Robin. The arts are in the heart. Social media is what brought Sujata and I together, and our connection and conversation will really be a fun discovery of all the things that we had no idea had our paths not crossed, how many things we had in common. So pull up a chair, grab your coffee and cannoli, because here we go. It's such a pleasure to meet yes. you too, Sajata. Yes. Thank yes. you so much for accepting my invitation. You know, I want to kick it off where telling the audience that you and I have never met. We, through the pandemic and on social media, connected. I actually uh, don't even know when that was, how that was, what the catalyst was. I know what I was doing three years ago while Mm -hmm. the country was shutting down and production was shutting down. And Mm -hmm. I started doing things. I made a decision and started doing things messy, which was Mm -hmm. one in our industry. If your face is in your phone or in your iPad, you better be for a good reason because you're dealing with the human being. So you're not spending time with technology in that way, submerged. Mm -hmm. That's not our number one. Our number one are human beings. So three years ago at this time, this was like, I remember I went into thinking, oh my God, women aren't going to be able to color their hair. How do you provide a service for them? Like literally I was thinking that that first week I started a meditation group online where I gave people a 30 day meditation daily that they'd have to interact so they wouldn't get lost in the mishigash that was out in the world going on as people were going, what, you know, oh, great, I've got 14 days off. No, I now have three years off. Or maybe they didn't. Um, But with that came lots of possibilities, lots of either people took steps, didn't take steps. It's not a judgment. It's just an is. For me, I somehow connected with you. And one of the things that I love talking about is the willingness to do things messy, even if we're perfectionists and like to do things perfectly, mm-hmm. stretching one's, expanding oneself, doing things not comfortable is a lot of what people talk about in the business world, especially usually successful people. And so doing social media and getting out there three years ago was just that for me. And somehow you and I crossed paths. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until actually recently through more seeing your name. And I don't know if it was a comment you made or something I saw of yours. 
and put two and two together that you were a professional makeup artist. Cause I don't know if I knew that, didn't know that. I don't know. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then it was the comment of, or the association of you being uh, aligned as Barbara Walters makeup artist. And I was like, I mean, honestly, what are the chances? And you don't know anything about me, most mm-hmm. likely. Um, um, but Barbara Walters was, as a little girl for me, like the, uh, you know, she was, she was the excuse me, because I always say on my platform, and I don't, and I'm, I'm not into swearing, but sometimes the word just passionately means a lot of things. I call it all-purpose flower, but it's another <laughs> word. <laughs> so um, it encompasses everything in my passion. But Barbara Walters was the shit. She was the shit because she broke down every moment that women had the opportunity to have spoken up, to be heard, to be a messenger, to be a vessel, to be on camera, to be behind camera, to talk about all things, to put it out there from politicians to, I mean, it's like a masterful painting of like what I would call, she'd be a perfect art history study project Mm -hmm. you know a dissertation she's all those things so that's a chapter we're going to talk about but I want to say that why it was for me the I want to almost say shut up well now now I really want us to connect and I wanted to have you on and then I was like but there's going to be so much more that I'm going to want to talk to you about as I do with Mm -hmm. people who join me here around the campfire Mm-hmm. And to give you a little background about me, so you know yes, you've like aligned with, <laughs> yeah, so you've aligned, so you know what you've aligned with, who you've aligned with, um, and humbly share. I uh, have always been an artist since I was a little girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky enough to be raised third generation fashion industry along with political background of grandparents and politics and real estate. And, you know, it was a combination. I was raised in basically um, what I referred to as an interracial relationship in the late 50s because my mother was a Sicilian Roman Catholic and my father was a Romanian, Ukrainian, Russian Jew. So that was not you know, welcome, even though people were doing it, it was very challenging, very difficult, very strong, you know, it didn't matter what your achievements, it was just the it. No, I understand, of course, uh-huh, yep. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm laying out this rug for you to see, like, how we probably have a lot of maybe similarities. So I was raised in a very cultural, live theater, live music, I grew up as a little ballerina. I also grew up I as a ballet too. <laughs> I heard it. I've heard an interview, and I was like, "You're going to be floored with the combinations of how we have so much in common." Uh-huh. With your mom being a fashion illustrator. Right. My parents yeah. had, you know, we were the stores to come to in the areas that we were in and how we dress people and I've seen that since that's like I said I was dropped on the seamstress's table like you know I wasn't but I but I might as well have been so oh behind the scenes from fashion shows to fashion wear to window dressing to Mm -hmm. interacting with people to being customer service all those things were my foundation, my growing up, as well as education, expansion of the mind, expansion of the gifts, which for me was fine arts. I played the cello. I was Woody. I played the clarinet and the flute. See, the first the I, clarinet in fourth grade, and then the flute afterwards. And I amazing. was in yes. Amazing. See, yeah. and I did live theater. Did you do musical theater? Yes. Yes. See, Isn't it so? Something? But this you is why talking, obviously we're art we're artists at heart because I know I'm an artist at heart. It's in my blood, it's in my DNA, you know. <laughs> and that's why I introduced you to you as me, as I've been an artist since I was a little girl. And yeah. I knew you would resonate with that. Yes. And yes. and be happily surprised post technicalities 
why we're supposed to connect and the well, beautiful thing to be able to connect social, to you. Sure. Social media allowed us to connect. I mean, it's, it's all divine intervention to me. Divine yeah. intervention and the message that I want to put out into the world regarding exactly this is if you remain open, starting with here mm-hmm. and then here, mm-hmm. doing things uncomfortably, like I said early on in this conversation when I was introducing us, mm-hmm. miracles and magic can occur. I and agree. many people, right? Yes, and, I agree. And it's the pathway to our very organic careers, our lives, as they have been up to this moment, as yes. they will continue to bless and be. And for those out there who I love to inspire through conversations like this as the like fairy dust example. This is great. I think it's a right? great idea. Yes, yes. Well, and so... <laughs> That's why I launched this podcast, because I'm curious by nature and I love people and having connections and having conversations and doing things that most people right now are actually sadly not taking the time doing, which is what's been such a beautiful way to be able to provide the space to Mm -hmm. do what you and I are doing right now in Mm -hmm. discovering Yes, the beautiful, like where our paths may never have crossed, and yet for every reason they should be, and thank God are. Mm-hmm. And as I said early on, you know, when the pandemic hit, and I discovered like two probably years later, especially being in the film world and the entertainment world, and the world that we also had to expand our outlets our way we communicated some of us were doing jobs on zoom some of us were doing meetings on zoom Mm -hmm. some of us were expanding sidebar business side businesses on zoom Mm -hmm. you know whatever we were doing as for instance um and like i said you know i found this moment where we need to be able to resource ourselves in the most multi-layer possibilities. Mm-hmm. And you always have to keep getting up. And life is a series of making decisions, pivots, solving curve problems. Balls. I call it curve balls. You know, balls. one like, <laughs> yeah. Curve mm-hmm. balls. Yes. Come right out from left field. That's right. You never what know the, what, what the mother of God <laughs> it's true <laughs> yeah true though just but you just have true. to brush yourself off and, and get up and start all over again that's you know that's what I do I mean you know y- you have your ups and downs in this business and plus being a freelancer you know you don't have an everyday you, sometimes you don't know when you're going to get your next job I don't know about you but you probably being on the west coast are more involved with movies so maybe you Correct. work yeah, so me, I'm I'm more television as opposed to yeah. film, though I've worked on a couple of films, but I, I'm in a, in a more controlled environment. <laughs> I quite love your environment, frankly. Yeah. I've done, I've been around those elements yeah. and I quite love it. And I love what you do and who, and the kind I of individuals that you work with. It's right. It's just it, that. I don't know a lot of makeup artists that feel that way, but I'm telling you to me, like, that's the sexiest world because we're talking smart exchange, really great conversations, people who are doing big things, people who are moving and shaking, people who, and it's not a manipulative, like, it's really like my brain loves it. My heart loves it. It's like, it's the best of all worlds. You get to be the fly on the wall while you're the artist, while you're helping transform you're taking these spirits with your spirit and putting them up on the space and pedestal that they're known to be or have become and you surround yourself and them with love and put them out there and so they can touch the world in like Mm -hmm. a galaxy of ways that's what you do working with people like this you also feel it makes you feel very powerful too because they're powerful and you're giving 
you know, it, it, it's so encouraging when you know they have maybe a story or, you know, you're right there and you're right on the spot. It's, it's just the movie stars that, you know, I've worked with, with Barbara and just Sean Connery and people like that, you know, it's just um, amazing. It's, it's, yeah. it's fascinating. Very fascinating. It is, it is so, so I want to, I want to take us back because I want to go back to when you were a little girl and, and this, this precipice of how you became who you've created, so to speak. So you were born in Harlem, correct? I was born in Harlem, USA. Yes. On Sugar Hill. I don't know if you've heard of the Sugar Hill gang. (laughs) I I have heard of the Sugar Hill gang. Yeah. So how was that growing up there? Um, it was very, my family actually was very uh, popular. You know, my grandfather was popular. I had credit at the candy store. <laughs> it was great. If you were my friend, I'd say, let's go. You, what do you want? You know, things like that. It was really nice. That was um, a great gift. That was a great social gift to have been provided because I'm sure yeah. that opened a lot of doors and created a lot of network and positive experiences. Yeah. Right. It, it, well, yes. And yeah, also, <laughs> yes, it does. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's other sides to that story as well. So I'm, oh, no, I'm it curious. Great. It was oh, good. It was great. No, I, what, I what time of what decade? What time of period was that? May I ask? Sixties. Yeah. So yeah, as a little girl, well, let's see how old my I have a sister, so I'm the oldest. So it was my sister and I, and um, I guess we were like eight years old, seven years old, not seven, maybe eight, eight, around eight, I'd say something around that. Yeah. So did you, so your grandfather had this store or your grandparents had this store? No, no, my grandfather was just very popular in the neighborhood. He was very popular. He was quite attractive. And for example, when I used to get my hair done at the beauty salons, the ladies would know, you know, my grandfather because they kind of flirted with him, but my grandmother didn't like that. But oh yeah, um, yeah, and and knew my mother, and and because she was very, very fashionable, and you know, going to work and coming to work. So you know, it's a community. Everybody really yeah. knew everyone. Basically, you know, it's not like these days where some people don't know who their neighbor is. Neighbors knew neighbors. You know, yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, it, it's very different now. I mean, nobody we say hi, but. And respectful but it's it's very different now so it is yeah um so I'm curious what did what did your grandparents and parents do did any of the things that they did professionally no, influence no no not no not my grandfather uh not my grand no my grandmother no they were just she was a a domestic and a nurse she worked at a, at a um, hotel a hospital Mm-hmm. And um, my grandfather was a Pullman porter back in the wow. day. And that was a very um, notable job for a, a man, African-American man. You know, they had a union and things like that. So it was a very respectful job at the time. So he was um, untrained. Yes. He was the one yes. in the white jacket and yes. helping people. And he had a great smile and he was very that was, a, that was a good job to have. I, yes. I understand. I, I yes. grew up with people who actually were part of the train business. Oh. Oh, okay. And and I also know history and my own, thank God. And I mean, I'm very aware of what your grandfather had the opportunity to do and become mm-hmm. was at that time because mm-hmm. of social issues. A mm-hmm. gift. Well, and like yeah, you no, said. Of course. You know, it had nothing to do with like intelligence or whatever. I'm talking about because of social circumstances actually he was quite intelligent he was practically a mathematician you should see yeah he was very smart. my point exactly oh well my point exactly this mm-hmm. my point is is that it again individuals and who they are versus the social justice or issues that we've had around us whether it's happened to you or not the point is, it's been out there. And during the 60s, as a Black man, just like you said, to have been given that opportunity to be in that position mm-hmm. was not something that came by everybody. Mm-hmm. It just mm-hmm. wasn't. 
No, well, and, actually, that was before the 60s, but my grandfather, that was in the, what, 1950s or something like that, my grandfather. Yeah, that, that was way before. How long did he do that for, do you think? Do you I'm know? not sure. I, I really wish I could. I'm not sure how long he did that for, but I'm not sure. My reason, my reason for talking about this, which maybe you're like, why are we talking about my grandfather? Because the, the, your exposure, your exposure, no, your exposure to your foundation, your generations before you established mm -hmm. a lot of what you learn, what you're exposed to, how many people influence you, work mm -hmm. ethic decisions you make in your career you know how you get to observe what people did how they showed up dressing their uniform or not their mm -hmm. attitude their self um motivation mm -hmm. uh, you know um who they interact with how they were interacting with mm -hmm. how it formulates like a platform for where we tend to go you know right. so the fact that your grandfather was well liked that he got to show up very dapper in mm -hmm. his presentation, that mm -hmm. he had a position of pride. Right. Obviously he was intelligent. You don't, you didn't land there because you weren't, no. you know? So, you know, they knew, they knew they were hiring because he was, he had to represent in a manner that everybody of loved course. him. What, exactly. So, As so do we <laughs> to this yeah. day. Martin Day, yes. Mm -hmm. And are, are any of your grandparents still with us? No, not my grandparents. I, I feel like an orphan, but I'm not. <laughs> my mom and dad have passed on. They, they've all transitioned to the other side. No, it's interesting that you said that because um, I never had had that feeling either. And, it's just, and, and, and it really was shocking. But two weeks before the pandemic occurred in our country, you know, in our world where the country mm -hmm. shut down, mm -hmm. our mother passed away. Oh, and she Jesus was, Christ. thank you. She was the last of the living of like, in my immediate mind that, that you know, uh, and certainly our parents and grandparents. And that word crossed my like, and I was really shocked because I know I'm not an orphan. That's not the you, that's there's no true step but in that moment mm -hmm. of realization and loss you have this realization of your loss and the finality of that that's true having nothing to do with energy or them around you or being spirit guides or whatever and however you see it mm -hmm. that I get I completely yes. got why you use that word and so I, yeah. I I wanted to honor that um so so in the sense of your growing up as a little girl, um, what were the things that, whether it was the candy shop or your grandfather or collectively, what would be like the top five things off the top of your head that helped formulate like a journey that you started to, you know, that if you went and mapped it out, you could say, oh, I could see how these things reflectively or influential to me as a little girl at three, five, 10, 12. Mm -hmm. Curious. Well, I think I'd have to say my mother uh, it, it had a great, of course, a great influence on uh, molding me. She had me doing fashion shows and a little girl, you know, with my little ice skating skirt and with the ice skates and, you know, I it teased in those days they had teased and I didn't want to, really do that but I did anyway <laughs> and um, a great 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 elements to like grasp onto what you like or don't like like fine exactly. things fine china nice right. good food but being yeah, in front manners. of people you know being in front of people when you really don't want to and you have to smile and be happy and you know sure. that kind of thing so um in the public in the public side and everybody's looking at you you know and you're like oh my god um did you that, like that or not like that? Um, it's a funny thing. I did and I didn't. At first I didn't. I'm like, oh no, but once I, I had it, I got past it, got through it, I enjoyed it. And then I was ready to do it again. It's funny. So, yeah. you know, it, um, 
you get better as you go on, you know? It's totally. Like a, and when did, when did you like have that realization? Were you really young, like under the age of five or was it under the oh, no. time between 10? <laughs> no, I wasn't the under the age of five. I, I would have to say I was around seven. Yeah. See, seven is still young. Yeah. I mean, I was young. Yeah. I wasn't 12 years yeah. old. Yeah. No, no but, but it's, but it's amazing. And people don't always talk about these things. And so that's why I like asking because you I'm, you're right. You I said, you're right. You don't, because I normally don't. So this is very different. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, welcome to this. Welcome to my, or, my or, world. Organic, as you say. Yes. It is because there's, um, again, there's, there's many reasons why we, you know, go down the paths we go down again. Yeah, pretty course. consistent, and and yet it can be also very organic. Mm-hmm. And um, how much is it intentional versus how much is it because that was the path that was laid out. Mm-hmm. And um, I think you know, in worlds like ours, there could be a lot of a lot of things could have gone could go well, not well, you know. But I also think that it's interesting because um, because you obviously had very positive influences, and that was a great thing to start a childhood with. Yes, and you loved and admired. That's what I hear. Am yes. I off or right? Oh, you're right. right. I was very loved and admired. Yes, absolutely. So you know, so to have that going around back and forth between adults and children mm-hmm. sets a child on a positive path. So to have that to have that environment or environments and then be able to have your own realizations at a very young age, well, these are like getting lucky charms in the of best course. life nuggets possible. And so you know it, and not realizing it at a young age until later when you mature, then you think to yourself, like times like this, oh yeah, I did do that. And and this did help mow me, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah. And it's a formulation of like seeds being planted. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you're absolutely correct because it's what I call like a living onion. It's layers and layers of experiences and life moments and mm-hmm. a collection of art before your very eyes mm-hmm. that if you take the time to reflect, you get to see how that masterpiece is created. Mm-hmm. Hence the life experiences. This is why I love this. See, I'm having chills right now because this is exactly why I love presenting people like yourself because I think it's a great way while you're driving to hear a conversation like this, you know, um, that is actually interesting to me. And I think would be far more interesting to many more people, you know, in the sense of just human life, lifestyle moments, you know, collection. Uh, so, so going forward in your, you know, as you were maturing um, in like what we would refer to as junior high, high school era, what have you, and music, like, you know, you were playing the, you said the flute by a certain point in that span, right? Mm-hmm. Clarinet. You went from the clarinet to the clarinet, clarinet right? Like, uh, changed to the flute and became a flautist and then uh, got to chorus later because I enjoy singing. I, I also was in singing groups and things like that. I was good at sewing. I would, you know, uh, tell the group, okay, I'm going to, this is what we're going to wear and this is how we're going to do it. And, you know, that kind of thing. I was the choreo. I was dancing at one time. So I do the choreography. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. I, I just love all forms of art. I really do. It adds what so let me ask you this then, because you have so many gifts that I resonate with hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um, and this has been asked me many, many times, but I my mom being my mom, like probably your mom being your mom, yes, saw all these gifts inside their child called mm-hmm. Sajata and Felicia. Mm-hmm. And we say that with humility but pride, right? Oh yeah. You know. It's humbling. Mm-hmm. And it's also with that, like, 
you can't be in all these places and do all these things. You've got to make a decision and, 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 and be clear that that decision you're making is going to make you happy, fulfill you, take care of you fiscally, take care of you emotionally and, 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 and sense of purpose in life or, or, you know, and I don't know that you've had these, you know, have these thoughts, but sensing that you would as a human being you've already presented to me you you I would imagine things like that matter to you whether you were again like you said you might not have been conscious of it at 7 or 12 or 15 or 25 but now maybe relative to seeing some history under your belt you can Mm -hmm. see how that would and how it did consciously or unconsciously Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right well in that regard where you mentioned uh, you know, you know how to do many gifts. You have many gifts. Uh, let's start with with dancing, for example. I really wanted to be a dancer at first. I was not thinking about being a makeup artist. Prior to that, I wanted to really be an art teacher and work with children. But I, I was dancing. But what I found for me, my type wasn't being casted like that in those days. It was more blonde and blue eyes, red hair. Not nowadays, it would be fantastic, but not <laughs> that wasn't in the cards for me. So um, that's when I stopped dancing. I said, no, this is not for me because it's too much practicing and sweating and I'm not getting anywhere. So I've always been interested in makeup because my mother, I would watch her do her makeup as a child. When she left, I'd go into her makeup to try to create my own look with her makeup. And she hated it. And she always knew that I got into it because I would try to place it strategically, but she always knew that I was into her makeup. So that that wasn't a good. Uh, and I used to make up my dolls and have a tea party with them and, and sit around a little table. It was quite fun. I, I think I enjoyed my childhood actually, you know, playing with my friends and um, I, as a matter of fact, with singing, my friend upstairs, we used to put a sheet up and, and give a play and serve cookies for <laughs> and, and beverages and things like that. So, and then entertain them and love, you know, that kind of thing, which was fun. Yeah. I had no idea, but I don't want to be an actor or anything. I, I think that's, um, that's fabulous uh, work, but it's, it is not easy being, I've, I've tried it. Um, I actually have a, an agent that occasionally would want to send me out on for commercials. I've done, I've done one. And uh, what was that for? Um, I'm trying to think. It was a while ago. It was before the pandemic. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a, a shot at Fairleigh Dickinson University. Got and, it. Yeah. But it was, it was a, uh, that's not something that I want to do, though. That I I like being myself. I can be myself on camera, but to to be somebody else, that's a whole nother story. Yeah, that's um, really that's a really great statement, Sajata. Because you know it's interesting because we do deal with so many individuals, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know what your thoughts were when you got into this, and I can't say. No, I can tell you actually what my thoughts were when I got into yep. this. Um, it's interesting you talk about, if I may, just reflect back on what you just talked about. When you made a decision, you weren't, oh, you know, as much as you love dance, when you shifted. Mm-hmm. So like at three years old, I was a really good little dancer. And that's when I started classical ballet. And I, I, I have said it's the only time that French was really spoken around me because my ballet teacher only spoke French. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I was so good, but what was interesting, what you said about they weren't casting my type at the time. If it was today, it would be a completely different situation. Well, relative to what you share, was this the 60s that you're talking about? Um, Okay. Can you feel 60s? No. 70s. I would say early 70s. Late 60s, 60s, early 70s, yeah. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. But same, but that same period that I know how, like, I talk a lot about history in America 
and the things that were going on as children growing up and the things that we were observing from, you know, Kennedy's being killed and Martin Luther King's being killed and civil rights and women's rights and interracial and voting rights and protests and Vietnam wars and all the things that that initial like whether it was being spoken of in your household or whether we or not were to be an experience we talked about ironically the blonde hair blue-eyed girl mm-hmm. I grew up with all blonde hair blue-eyed girls mm-hmm. I was like you know in the Midwest about, uh, you know, like Northern Illinois, Southern Wisconsin, Chicago being Rockford, Illinois being where I was born, Chicago and, and Wisconsin, like that whole area I was raised in. Chicago? And, yeah. My, mom my family's from Chicago. Chicago. So oh, you get, <laughs> right? Oh my God. See? So like well, the way, like the everything. <laughs> it's a beautiful gift. It's a beautiful it gift. It is, so it is. lots of my roots come from Chicago, like my whole okay. family, both sides mm-hmm. come from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and it's funny. So I like you for my own reason. So my, my teacher wanted to put me on toe by five. The reason why it didn't happen, which is so darn early for God's sake. I'm so grateful. She thought not to do this. Um, but I was a little full figure girl. I wasn't like extraordinarily heavy, but you know, I was surrounded by mirrors, whether it was in ballet class or in my family stores, I knew what I looked like compared to my little peers mm-hmm. who were like, you know, much more petite, mm-hmm. even though I had all these gifts. So it didn't mm-hmm. matter what I put my mind to, I would, you know, not in competition with my friends, just in my own little brain, like I always knew that just showing up and doing my best and being my best, whether I felt confident or not, was my intention. <laughs> so right. you just delivered, right? So just yes. like you were talking about, you put it being put out in public uh, circumstances, being amongst a lot of people, interacting, being seen, being mm-hmm. given these opportunities, formulated you. I have the same, you know. Um, whether it was learning how to perform or learning the kind of things that I got to be dressed in and kind of things that I know I had that my friends didn't have because of those associations. It was all very vibrant, little titillating, formulating things. So on my first Broadway play, ironically, you'll love this one, which was Hello Dolly, all black production with Pearl Bailey and Louis Armstrong. I was like at the edge of my seat. You know, that, that was you, my, you mean the first play that you went to see? You, Broadway, it's a on Broadway. On Broadway. I've seen lots of plays okay. and musicals the in the Midwest. Play. Okay. Mine was yeah. Melba Moore. Mel, Melba, Melba Moore's play. Oh that my was God, what play was that? Huh? M- Melba Moore? Was that? No, I um, know who Melba Moore is. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think. But, but, but anyway, I know that was my first Broadway play. I've had many other little plays, you know, as a kid, you go to little puppet shows and things like that. I've yeah, been that was fun. But oh, gosh, Melba Moore, I'm trying to think. Oh, well, I remember you. then, like, I, I think it was within a year or so. I mean, I don't even know because I was so young, but we were going to New York all the time because my father doing buying trips. So we were always in and back and forth between Chicago and New York. And um and so I knew that also that was not what my friends' families were doing. That was a very unusual circumstance. And so being a little Sicilian Jewish girl in the fashion industry, doing these trips, being very aware of politics, being very aware of the arts, being exposed to all these things, mm-hmm. things that my friends weren't exposed to. It wasn't because right. I was wealthier or anything. It wasn't any of right. those things. It just was mm-hmm. the circumstances, the environment right. that right. formulated my desires, my passions, my visual like wows. And this leads me to us going back to, you know, making the decisions. I certainly knew I wasn't going to be a little dancer. I love dance and I continue to dance in musical theater and other things and you know, like yourself, there were lots of things, you know, playing music, dancing, 
creating, being artistic, and then making a decision you want wanted to become a makeup artist. That was not something that I was ever intending on doing. I like like your I mean that was never in my cards. My cards was I was going to be um at age 11, made a decision. I want to be a medical illustrator. So I was going to be pre-med fine arts. I was a very detailed artist Uh and I love theater. I just knew I didn't want to starve. I was trying to take all the things that I was interested in and utilize and activate and do what I could. By the time I got to college, had won a lot of awards for my fine arts, had done a lot of things with all the things. And got into school, started with fine arts and pre-med, and from there, couldn't afford to continue. Ended up from there also studying film and theater and doing all those things. Never in a million years did I think makeup was going to be my thing, but I loved entertainment. I loved storytelling. I loved filmmaking. I, I don't know if you knew or were aware in the early 80s, and you probably were because of where you were. But, like, I remember in the early 80s, people still didn't know. No, I'd say almost, like, 83, 84, people didn't know who Annie Leibovitz was, how they know her today. You know who (laughs) Annie, right? Mm -hmm. But I, as somebody who was training as a photographer and filmmaker, you know, were like, there were no women around. Yeah, I've met her. (laughs) Same. Yes. Same. Yes, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you've met her through being who you're working with as mm-hmm. same here. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's one of those funny things that coming up in this industry and when I couldn't become a female director that I was trained to be. That wasn't an option. It's that was not going to be handed at the time. No, it wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. Not in the late 80s, early 90s. 2000s it wasn't an option no it's only become an option in this last decade or so especially recently actually recently like floodgate recently and even with that it's still like a drop in the bucket but yet i think recently also because a lot of people are using social media too they're not just doing it on television you know they you can uh, stream it you have netflix you have all these different uh mediums that you can just take your work to and and a lot of people are doing it now every time a lot a lot yes yes uh, they're acting and then they turn to directing and producing everything at once i think you could be right or you could do the same thing well (laughs) i i have to say that i make the running joke by 80 i'll be directing which i mean that i you know my job my my goal is obviously before that way before then that would be a long time (laughs) yes and i see that for you as well Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you and i have been you know um i mean i refer to myself as i've been marinating you know and i feel like the reason why history is so important so important to talk about Mm -hmm. and especially in a realm and a world that you and I have come up in and when we come up in it Mm -hmm. and who we are as individual women Mm -hmm. and our backgrounds and our environments and 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 being witness to many many things we've been a fly on the wall to many many things in life professionally and personally yes Mm-hmm. You know, I have to be frank, you know, sometimes I think like, God, am, am I the only one who talks about this stuff? I, I mean, it's not like I'm seeking out people I can talk to about this, but I, right. I, I, I feel like you get what I'm talking about. Of course I do. Yes. Of course I you do. Know? Absolutely. Yes. And I have to tell you, Sujata, what's really interesting about that is even in our professional realm, and yes, I understand that you're more in the newscaster journalist you know position of who you deal with but through that you come across a lot of different um, individuals oh, and yes. it does in and and, and go ahead it started I, excuse me I started in magazine and print work that's where I started I didn't I did not jump into television you know you go from beauty salon working with a, a cosmetic company and beauty salon and then um 
you know, you transition. I got an agent. Uh, I got my book. Well, actually, when I was working at the Kenneth Salon, I Kenneth was the hairstylist to Jacqueline Onassis when she was in the White House. I remember. Yeah. And, and so I started working there. Actually, I was working someplace else and they discovered me over there. All, it so was I'm, so did you train? Do you train as a licensed cosmetologist that brought you into that realm or what brought you into that realm so randomly or were you already doing makeup? Like what was the, what was the lineage <laughs> of that? No, sincerely. Where, yeah, well, where of course was- I'm trained now and have my license and everything, but uh, at the time, well, let's see. When, while I was working at the Kenneth Salon, I would actually change it to my outfit and go to my school for my license. So you were like, what, in high school during this time? No, 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 no. This is in the 80s. This is in the 80s. Early. Okay. No, okay. like 80, 81 when I was okay. working at Kenneth. And okay. so I, because I had to get it, I was working someplace else before, but, you know, just as a makeup artist, not as hair, you know, you don't touch hair. Um, it, um, hairstyling by Joseph's, which was the, a very popular black salon in New York, the uh, off of Park Avenue. Well, and in the early eighties, that was when you were there. I was there in the late seventies, like seventy nine, and then from there I went to. Uh, I'm now you're making me think where I've been <laughs> so much. No, the reason why I am, and I'm gonna because I think this is an important one with people who are hearing this is first off in the late seventies to be a prominent black salon owner that's heavily sought out on park Avenue. That's a big damn deal. Yeah. I'm saying that's a big only two in New York. That was John Atchison and the hairstyling by Joseph. And he was the main one. He was great. He worked with Diana Ross and other celebrities and uh, notable people of, of, I'm telling you everybody. And as a matter of fact, Natalie Cole was his client and she was my first celebrity. I and in that place. environment, I no doubt aligned you and gave you the trajectory to yeah. how those seeds started to get planted by mm-hmm. being in that environment. And mm-hmm. from Joseph. So at that time, had you yet gotten licensed? Were you already licensed when you were in those environments? That's why you were getting it at the same time. So you were like apprenticing technically? Yeah, apprenticing technically, but I didn't have my license yet. No. no. Okay, so that makes sense. But you were getting it at the time, you said in the, in the early 80s. And those were that, that environment and then moving on to the other environment mm-hmm. with, I'm sure, a brickload of other environments is what created your career. Correct. Well, yeah. Each, yeah, one thing led to another, you know, uh, when I was, you know, when I was at the Joseph Salon, the thing about then women of color were not really wearing makeup as much as they are today. So my job was rather boring. They went their eyebrows tweezed or, or went to buy a lipstick. And so I wasn't that busy. It was quite boring to me. You know, I would. What years were those? What what years were those specifically that you were doing that in the salon? Uh, It was in the late 70s. Okay. So So, I can't give you a precise year. So my my experience that is so correlated to everything that you have said and how this all came about, because I also. once I finished university mm-hmm. is when I went to beauty school mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and I'm telling you it's for a reason. So to see how similar I ended up working for a major cosmetic company mm-hmm. while getting licensed also went to the salon, a very highly sought out salon, as well as with doing platform work as well as then got into fashion print Mm-hmm. And got the eight my agent, and so you and I did a lot of the same paths mm-hmm. coming forward. That not everybody may realize that that is not necessarily the path that of how people come to be in professional positions like ours, because there is no one path, there is no yeah. direct path, 
And there are many people and how they've come to that path. And it's not like studying to become a teacher or a doctor or an engineer. There Mm -hmm. are path has no like, hey, you got to get these credentials and pass this LSAT for law school. And no, it's none of that. No, lots of people get into this for a variety of reasons, mm-hmm. not because they're necessarily storytellers or filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? They, it's it's timing, good luck, as well as talent. Yeah, I'd like true. to hope, <laughs> but who you know? <laughs> yes, that too. There's that. <laughs> that's you true, know, and and that's having an honest conversation. Mm-hmm. Because for and, a woman know, like perseverance is very important too, you know that that's super important. Yes, perseverance. That was what I was about to say. Also, is that you and I have not been able to have a long-standing, successful career for lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a I, lot of belief. And a lot of belief. Yes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Camp Fifi Uncensored podcast. I hope you love this conversation. It's a perfect example of how we have all the opportunities around us to connect and converse with people that we never may have known before and realize how many things that we have that we can share in common. In the meantime, have a beautiful week. Join, subscribe, share, and join us next week and gather around the campfire where we talk about everything from soup to nuts to what we like to say from cannolis to egg in the holes. And don't forget the s'mores because it's where the spirit is young, the soul is wise, and the life stories are vast. Much love. Bye for now.